It's been a bad week for the criminal gangs who see Ireland as a soft touch when it comes to smuggling drugs into Europe. It all started last Sunday night. The first way it came to public attention was a seemingly fairly standard rescue operation off the coast of Wexford. Irish Times crime and security correspondent Conor Gallagher. A trawler, you know, presumed to be carrying fishermen, had got itself lodged on a sandbank. Weather, poor weather was closing in, so they uh, sent out the helicopter Rescue 117. Rescue 117 then got a call saying, stand away, don't try and lift them off, because obviously there's something else going on here. And from there, it slowly kind of became apparent that this was something much, much bigger. A few days later, the Gardaí and Defence Forces were congratulating themselves on an historic victory over the relentless international drug trade. Gardaí say more than €150 million worth of cocaine has been recovered from a cargo ship seized in a military operation off the coast of Cork. From the point of view of drug interdictions in Ireland, it's the story of the decade, well, it's the story of the century, really. It's the largest amount of drugs intercepted by the Irish authorities in history. This will be a significant disruption for the organised criminal groups behind this. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, how Ireland's biggest drug bust went down. Connor, the origins of all this go back six weeks with the purchase of a large ship by a Panamanian company called Matthew Maritime, which has a legitimate looking website. So who or what is Matthew Maritime, according to itself, I suppose? Matthew Maritime claims to be a global shipping company with a fleet of ships that will, um, you know, take your cargo wherever you want. You can hire them to take your bananas from Colombia to uh, Europe or whatever. So it's got a relatively professional looking website, as you said. Uh, you know, it's registered. It has uh, offices in the Marshall Islands, um, although it shares those offices with a lot of other companies which have are subject to US and, and European sanctions for various reasons. Uh, but, you know, they went to all, they went through all the steps of registering the boat, of sh- the ship rather, of getting it surveyed, which is something you have to do whenever you buy a ship, and of renaming it, of course. Um, but that's kind of where the facade ends. You also reported that this ship, the MV Matthew, is the only ship the shipping company owns. Anyway, after it was purchased by Matthew Maritime, its movements immediately drew the attention of international agencies, including the Maritime Analysis and Operations Centre that's based in Lisbon and the US Drug Enforcement Agency. So the ship was watched as across the Atlantic. What was it about these movements that aroused suspicion? The movements were unusual, to say the least. Um, so until last month, it was called the uh, MV Hanman, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it changed its name while it was already undertaking a voyage uh, from Aruba to Curaçao to Dutch protectorates down there in the Caribbean. And then it went on to Guyana and the North Atlantic coast of South America before starting its voyage across the Atlantic. So it seems like it probably picked up some sort of cargo in Guyana, possibly off the coast of Guyana, uh, not even on the shore. So maybe a ship-to-ship transfer. Then you can track it going all the way across the coast, kind of passes the Canary Islands. You can see it um, going faster and slower in some places. And there'll be 
suspicions maybe of the places it was going slower, such as off the coast of Morocco, was it up to something there? We simply don't know at the minute. But from Morocco, it comes straight up to Ireland. Its uh, original destination was marked as Gdansk uh, in Poland. Uh, it then changed this to Belfast. And then we can see it kind of going around in circles off the coast of Wexford. This is probably where it intended to rendezvous with the fishing trawler, the Castle Moor. Now some news to hand, a security operation is ongoing off the southeast coast tonight after a trawler ran aground. It's understood the vessel got into difficulties late last night north of Ross Lair and the men were airlifted to safety a number of hours later. Well, we're in a position now to go to our... Can you tell us more about the trawler? How does it fit into this story? So the trawler was bought last uh, Friday in Castletown Bear. Two men arrived, uh, one a Scottish national, the other was either a Russian or a Ukrainian or possibly a a Russian-speaking Ukrainian. We're just not quite sure, but from that neck of the woods anyway. As my colleague Barry Roach reported, it was noticed very quickly by the people down there who know an awful lot about fishing that these two men had very little knowledge of how to operate a boat and that was quite obvious. Nonetheless, they took it out from port, took it towards the coast of Wexford where it seems they attempted to rendezvous with the MV Matthew. Maybe this is a really basic question, but does that not seem a bit sketchy that this is a massive drug smuggling operation and the two lads only buy a boat, a trawler, that they can't even sail the same day? That's a really good point and something I've been thinking about uh, over the last couple of days. This is a multi-ton operation, an operation worth hundreds of millions of euros. The criminal gangs involved would have sank massive amounts of capital into, um, you know, Purchasing vessels, hiring crews, paying bribes to people in various countries, not to mention the cost involved once the drugs hit Ireland and not the cost of the drugs themselves, of course. Um, So why did they leave it to two guys who didn't know one end of a boat from the other to go out in with a storm closing in to try and rendezvous with a ship? So that suggests, does it, that the operation was botched already before we know it was really botched. I think sometimes we might give too much credit to criminal organisations. You know, we hear the values involved um, and we think, you know, they must be like something from narcos or they must be fairly slick operators. And that is often not the case. I mean, going back to the first decade of this century, the the previous biggest... uh, uh, drug interception operation sea bites uh that's when they they they, they tried to land the the the, the drugs uh, ashore on a dinghy but they put diesel in the petrol engine so it, it washed up or so it, it you know it was stranded basically or it might have been petrol in a diesel engine i can't remember but such a basic mistake so this isn't unheard of and you even going back to earlier this year we had drugs washed up on the coast of donegal packages of, of cocaine were being washed up that was uh, more than likely uh, a similar operation that went wrong in that uh, a ship uh, either dumped cocaine overboard for a smaller vessel to pick up or there was a failed ship, uh, ship-to-ship transfer and the, the cocaine washed ashore. And we believe that uh, two men tried to buy a fishing trawler in uh, a Donegal town around the same time and that deal fell through. So, you know, obviously there's some... Uh, 
good deal of sophistication here, but it's by no means the level of sophistication we might expect from something from Narcos. The attention soon switched from the trawler off Wexford to the ship. And we know now that the bulk carrier ship was carrying tons of cocaine destined for Europe. We saw the dramatic images of the Irish Army Rangers on the ship being dropped down from helicopters. Did they meet any resistance from the men on the ship? So the men on the ship were not armed. But I think it's crucial to say that the Army Rangers didn't know that. Of course not. No, no, no. So they were coming down the ropes. They didn't know what they were going to meet. Exactly. What they encountered was a, a large degree of panic aboard. Now, these people weren't armed, but... There was some resistance, there was some tussles, uh, as I understand it, but they were all fairly quickly subdued. Um, There's been reports that they were trying to burn some of the cocaine. Um, I haven't been able to confirm that um, one way or the other, Um, but what we do know is that the Army uh, Ranger Wing managed to secure the load undamaged or, or, or almost undamaged um, and restrain all the guys um, with kind of cable ties, basically. And it was then that the Navy search team could come on board and do a preliminary search. Um, and then they escorted the vessel into Cork Harbour under armed escort. And that's when the, the, the proper search began. Now, I suppose this is getting at attention for very, very, very many reasons. But one of the reasons has to be that this was such a dangerous, risky operation. It's the sort, you know, our authorities are seldom involved in, but they seem to pull it off without a hitch. I mean, they're obviously trained for this sort of thing, but they never have to do it. Yeah, every year the Army Ranger Wing trains for this exact scenario or a very similar scenario. They have an agreement with Stenaline where Stenaline will give them a loan of uh, one of their passenger ships. They will go out, they'll do it at night, they'll do it in the day. They will board from the sea and the helicopter at the same time. And then I, uh, I, what the usual scenario is a hostage situation rather than a drugs interdiction, but the same basic principles still apply, you know, and they'll move through the ship very methodically. They're extremely highly trained and they train with the other branches regularly. So the the Air Corps, obviously, who fly the helicopters and the Navy, uh, the Naval Service from where they deploy from their smaller vessels. What do we know about the plan for this consignment of drugs? Where was its intended destination um, and how was it to get there? So it was intended for Europe, only a fraction was intended for Ireland. So, as we've discussed on this show before, I think Ireland has a massive appetite for cocaine. One of the biggest users in Europe, but it's still a relatively small market and, and it just cannot absorb that much cocaine in one go. So they reckon, you know, maybe a couple of hundred kilos was for, for the Irish market. That was going to be transferred overboard probably onto onto this trawler. Uh, it doesn't seem like that happened. It seemed the weather was too bad or their seamanship was too poor. They weren't able to transfer it, but it was then going to transfer the rest in the UK and Europe. I think many people uh, were surprised to hear that uh, like an entire ship, like the MV Matthew, which was huge, could be dedicated solely to delivering cocaine. Is that is that normal in this world? No, it's not normal. So the, the standard way to smuggle cocaine over the ocean is through uh, containers. 
So shipping containers are about 40 foot long. Everyone knows what they look like. They're put onto a ship by crane, then they're loaded onto a truck on the other end, or sometimes the trucks just drive on and drive off uh, at the other end. It's, you know, a, a multi, multi, multi-billion euro global industry, and it's relatively easy to hide cocaine because of the massive amount of containers going both ways at all times. Purchasing a ship, setting up a front company, hiring a crew which seems to be what has happened here, is much rarer. It does happen. Criminal groups in Ireland have done it. The Kinnahans have purchased a vessel before, um, but it's unusual. Um, it's a huge investment. That The MV Machu is a, a very, very big ship. It's a 22-year-old ship, so uh, not a new ship by any means, but you know, not a, not a wreck either. Uh, it's worth about $10 million. Uh, $10 million. Um, so, you know, when you compare that a bit, uh, against the, the possible profits, you know, it does make sense. Uh, but it is an unusual method. Coming up, the Irish connection. Who on this island is linked to the MV Matthew cocaine? I continue my conversation with Conor Gallagher. Now, you've written, and you've written so much about this. This week, it's been such a moving story. You've written that the MV Matthew is just one part of what is believed to be a complex arrangement between a consortium of criminal gangs in multiple countries. So there must be an Irish element to this consortium if it was heading, if some of it, at least a small part of it, was heading for Ireland. Do we know who they are? There's a lot of reporting today that the Kinnahans are involved to uh, one degree or another. Um, I wouldn't uh, say it's outside the realm of possibility. Um, it's very much within their comfort zone. Um, they are very, very good at logistics. And there's a lot of logistics involved in this um, operation from the criminal end of things. Um, but as we heard yesterday from Assistant Garda Commissioner Justin Kelly, there are other gangs in Ireland capable of this who are much less well-known than the Kinnahans who also have connections in, in South America and who have connections in Europe and would be able to become part of a, a network or consortium capable of, um, of bringing these drugs in. So, say, it's early days yet. I wouldn't be surprised if a, a solid Kinnahan connection emerges. Um, some suggestion that one of the... The, the men in the trawler had some connections to the, the Kinnahans, uh, but we will have to wait and see on that one. Um, but we also have uh, UK gangs and uh, gangs from France and probably several other countries. And the drugs themselves were coming from a major Colombian-based uh, criminal cartel. Uh, Assistant Commissioner Kelly yesterday referred to him as one of the, the murderous cartels operating out of South America flooding Europe with drugs. On Wednesday, there was a rare press conference involving members of Angarda Shikona, the Irish Customs and the Irish Armed Forces. This is a hugely significant operation and it shows our unrelenting determination to disrupt and dismantle networks uh, which are determined uh, to bring drugs into our country. These groups are transnational groups. Connor, we learned at that press conference that the drugs seized uh, are thought to be worth, at the moment, an estimated €157 million. Euro. Is the loss big enough to stop or even hurt these cartels and the Irish gangs that they're providing drugs to? The loss 
it's definitely enough to hurt uh this consortium of gangs um, on the Irish end, on the European end, and, and the South American end—it's—it's—it's—it's uh, um, it's, it, it's, it's massive. Is it enough to put an end to any of these gangs? No, probably not. If you're big enough to import this uh, amount of drugs, you're big enough to withstand the loss of those drugs. Uh, if this was to happen multiple times in a year, that's another question, you know. And you can often track these things when you start seeing bodies turn up. Uh, unfortunately, you know, that's the, the first sign of the dissolution of a, of a gang. They start turning on each other. I'd be surprised if that happens here. Um, you know, like any business, you know, they, 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 they accept some risk and are able to absorb some level of loss. Now, there's been a lot of proud commentary this week, even in the Dáil, about how effectively our armed forces, especially the Navy, carried out this operation. And what was striking to me that from the very first reports of the trawler in, in Wexford and that the, the Navy was circling around, that there's been also equal amount of commentary about the sorry state of the Navy in terms of staffing. Uh, we've learned that most of our ships are in harbour because we don't have enough sailors to man them. What is the problem with recruiting to the Navy? Is it, is it money? Is it something else? Uh, can it be addressed? Is there any signs of being addressed? Well, the government would tell you it's a sign of the health of the economy and how we're at pretty much full employment. Uh, and also it's a sign of how well they train uh, the Naval Service guys that they are poached by the private sector. And all those things are true. But from, from the other point of view is the pay and conditions um, uh, problems with the seagoing allowance um, and just people don't want to be away from their families um, for weeks on end. Um, the fact that we have one naval base in Cork so you're very very much limited about where you want to live um, if you want to join the Navy. Um, so yeah there's there's a, a lot of different things. It's not just a problem for Ireland, it's a problem around the world or around the Western world at least. Um, military forces are having trouble recruiting and keeping people. Um, it's also, you know, it's a tough life, you know, being at sea. Um, so it's perhaps not surprising that uh, people will seek work in the private sector. Um, it was quite inevitable that they the conversation would turn to the sorry state of the Navy um, in the context of, of the drug bust, given that it was only uh, last month uh, we got news that the Navy was down to two seagoing ships with a third in reserve. That's down from nine ships as recently as 2019. So, I mean, that's just a shocking figure on its own. For an island nation. For an island nation with a, 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 a patrol zone seven times the, the, the landmass of Ireland, the biggest in Europe, or biggest in the EU at least, um, you know, for a, a nation that relies on shipping, for a nation with a vast amount of infrastructure in those waters, it's absolutely crazy. Um, and I suppose the, 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 the authorities will rightly point to the success of this and how well they've done. But what you also have to look at is those previous operations I mentioned. You go back and look in the archives, there's three ships involved in those, uh, maybe more one ship involved in this operation, the um, uh, uh, Ellie uh, William Butler Yates, who I, I was lucky enough to, to be on there recently down in Malta. It was down in Malta um, as part of the EU mission to impose an arms embargo in Libya. Uh, sorry, so it was down um, in, in the Mediterranean there. Really capable ship, really capable uh, crew, um, uh, you know, very, very experienced, um, but it's still just one ship. 
you know, so if something went wrong, if that ship um, had a medical emergency, a mechanical emergency, if they for some reason, you know, had to follow a second uh, uh, feeder vessel, you know, like the trawler, you know, they were in serious trouble. Mm. So in, in, they did an exceptional job, but in some ways they, they got lucky that nothing went wrong. If we beefed up our Navy... All the history of the war on drugs would suggest that the smugglers adapt and and they find another way, another way into Europe, another way into Ireland. So is it naive to think that just by beefing up our Navy, we could put a dent in the drug trade? Well, I suppose that the drug trade or intercepting drug shipments is just one task that one of the many tasks that the Navy has and probably one of the, the more minor tasks in, in relation to how often they're deployed on it. You know, their main job is fishery protection, but also patrolling these uh, important infrastructure sites. There's been a lot of attention on things like subsea cables and, and that sort of thing. We want to build a massive wind farms off the, the West Coast. Those are going to be key infrastructure that, that are going to have to be protected in some way. So, you know, we're either going to do it ourselves or we're going to rely on the private sector to do it. So there's an economic argument there as well. Would, if we got a, an, a, a back to a nine-ship navy or a 20-ship navy or whatever, would it put a dent in the amount of drugs coming into Ireland? I don't know. I, I'd be sceptical. As, as you said, drugs gangs will always find a way and I mentioned earlier how it was unusual for them to use this method to purchase a whole ship and to to, to have a dedicated ship going out of there but that's most likely in response to pressure coming on from other ways so they're, they're clamping down in Rotterdam and Antwerp there's uh, where the main container ports in Europe a uh, huge amount of resources are going in there so they probably took the view that this is the least risky thing if we were to crack down on this method and, you know, check all these bulk containers coming in, um, they go back to the, uh, they go back to, you know, the, the, the other methods. They will always find a way, I think. So, Connor, this has moved now from the Navy to the Customs. It's now, it's now the Gardaí are on it. What's happening now? So the Gardaí are making their way through each of the 25 uh, crew members, interviewing all of them. They're all in all nationals. The vast majority of them are not under arrest. Six people are under arrest. That includes two uh, men rescued off the, the trawler, uh, the captain of the MV Matthew, an Iranian national, and three other men believed to be crew members who were arrested last night. Um, they can... Be held, they're being held under anti-gang legislation, uh, which allows them to be held for up to seven days. So they're not in a massive rush to, uh, you know, to bring charges. Uh, it's going to be, you know, in some ways, these guys are caught in a ship with, uh, you know, 157 million euro worth of cocaine on board. It might sound like a slam dunk, but you have to prove that they actually had knowledge that cocaine was there. Um, and that might be tricky. So, um, and we'll also, we could very well and probably will see more arrests. Thanks, Connor. That's it for today. For more reports and analysis from Conor Gallagher on the biggest drug bust in the history of the state, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode is produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back on Monday. 